Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Okay, I think it's recording. Um, so, just pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to do the hampers, to come together as a church community, to come together as families under you, Christ. May we continue this morning to learn about you. May it foster something in us as we move forward in this week, in this month, God, to come to know you better. Thank you for this time, Lord. Amen. 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 Theo entrance number one making note for the podcast. Right, so good morning. So uh, following on from Steve's sermon last week, today we're going to be continuing on the theme um, that God is still with us, specifically, specifically looking at his Holy Spirit. Now, as Steve alluded to last week, this isn't anything radically new. It's not a new uh, end destination, but it's a journey. And this series isn't a closed book. It's an opening, an opportunity to personally investigate. It's a chance to both reflect on our own experiences and also become more actively aware of his Holy Spirit in our lives. So today, as indicated by the title, we're talking about the helper. But before then, I just want to circle back on the concepts as a whole and remind ourselves um, that we're looking at the Holy Spirit as revealer, helper and life giver. So when I was coming up with ideas for this incredible sermon, I got to (laughs) thinking about the theme of journeys and I couldn't shift the idea of tour guides. Um, So by their nature, um, a tour guide is someone who provides specialised or localised knowledge about an area of significance. For instance, you might take a trip to a capital city and take a bus stop tour, bus bus tour with the roof off. You might know the city fairly well, but these guides can focus on a precise area and an area of particular interest. By the same token, as we explore the general concept of the Holy Spirit, as we focus on how he is the revealer, the helper and the life giver, we're journeying deeper. And as we share the experiences of how his spirit stirs in us, we too can share how we're guided by him in our own lives becoming each other's tour guides which is why it was brilliant to hear about Jeremy and Ella this morning because you're our tour guides you're telling us about the different relationships that you're having with people that can influence our lives that can shift and and spark something in our lives as we move forward so on our tour I'd like to uh, launch off from the same point as Steve did last week before taking a slightly different path as we explore the helper so it's, it's still based in what was what was read last week so let's uh, now uh, I've written this out let's turn to John 16 verse 12 to 16 in our Bibles or just look at the screen if you're a bit lazy like me so <laughs> as you can see so John 16 reads I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you 
all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So as mentioned last week, Jesus is explaining how the Holy Spirit reveals to us the Father and the Son, helping us to know them better. So back on the topic of guides, again, that first word seems to stick around in this passage. He will guide you. It follows with the explanation, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of the things to come. Now this clearly states that the Holy Spirit isn't the one God, the one authority, but he's a reflection. Whatever he hears, he will speak. It isn't brand new, it's the nature of God, as has always been stirring in us today as the revealer. He will take of mine and declare it to you. He's here to guide. He's here to steer and help us in a multitude of ways. Not a direct declaration of specifically what to do in a situation, but to nurse us to know the Father and the Son more deeply. That's the beauty of the Trinity, though. No one is mutually exclusive. They all hold the same weight. Father, Son and Spirit are all loving. They're all graceful. They're all helpers. Take this quote from John Calvin. So this reads, if we try to think about God without thinking about the Father, Son and Spirit, then only the bare and empty name of God flits about in our brains to the exclusion of the true God. Appreciating the actions of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit makes us appreciate the true God. As Steve said previously, there isn't a hierarchy, so we can understand how the Holy Spirit helps us today by understanding how Jesus, embodying the Father, came beside people and helped them in the Bible. That leads us on to today, talking about the helper. This is Nick Miller from um, uh, New Girl. Uh, This particular scene is when he gets trapped with uh, uh, somebody, a relationship that he just broke up accidentally. Uh, Anyway, moving on. As a a quick Google for a dictionary definition brought up a few ways in which uh, which, uh, you can describe help. I've used this as a bit of a steer for the rest of this morning. So this first definition is as on screen. So the first definition I came across was to give or provide what is necessary to accomplish a task or satisfy a need. Contribute strength or means to, render assistance to, cooperate effectively with, aid, assist. It's It's a long one. So the example here was he planned to help me with my work. Let me help you with those packages. Um, So, (coughs) uh, to give or provide what is necessary to accomplish a task and satisfy a need. Um, Picking this definition apart, let's look at those first four words. To give or provide. That's the heart of God. He is servant-hearted. Those first words in the definition of help marry with the very heart of God. So, where have we seen Jesus come alongside others to give or to serve? The tale of the bleeding woman. Uh, this I'm going to have to go closer. Uh, now, a woman having a flow of blood of 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on uh, physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer, your faith has made you well, go in peace." 
here Jesus felt the connection with the woman in amongst the crowd, in amongst the busyness of it all. He paused, he focused on her, he recognised her faith in the moment. A woman who was so desperate, who had lost all her money on trying to remedy it, was now healed. In turn, he not only healed her physically, but by extension her status in society had changed. Sometimes we have to reach out in times of hardship, when it feels everything is going against us. We can reach out and experience the Holy Spirit transforming us. Perhaps it's a renewed mind on a situation, or improved circumstances, in ourselves or in others' lives. Just as Jesus did, so too will the Holy Spirit. Going back to that definition of help, the full sentence read to give or provide um, what is necessary to accomplish a task or satisfy a need. Now, sometimes our needs might be steering in the wrong direction. We might seek help on our own terms. We might put our faith in the wrong things only to find where something like this, uh, like Bill Bailey reading the little book of calm in Black Book. This reads, calm down and visualise the ocean. And then he feels like he's drowning in the ocean. Um, <laughs> the, rich, the rich young ruler may have felt similar when he approached Jesus seeking eternal life in the book of Mark. So here it reads, Now as he is going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked Jesus, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit inter- eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but the one. That is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all those things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Sometimes it takes counsel. The need might might not produce the result that we think rationally makes sense in the circumstance. The spirit may well stir up answers or feelings we didn't expect. It may make us question what we're putting first in a situation or what we're leaning on in a time of crisis. All I'm really saying is, his help in circumstances can look wildly different, and it's about our perception and appreciation of that. Conversely, the Holy Spirit, as previously mentioned, can be our biggest champion in situations, a little bit like Hagrid with Harry Potter. Sure, he's, uh, he's older. Oh no, I've gone too far. Is he moving? There he is. There's his. That, thank you, thank you, Hagrid. Sure, he's older than Harry. Uh, he's older than Harry, wiser, but he loves Harry like a son. He cheers him on, and is always available to help. He's in the background. This batches together the um, remainder of the terms associated with the first definition of help: to contribute, strength or means to render assistance, cooperate effectively with, aid, assist. It's a long one. All of those points rely on something. Presence. See what I did there? Wow. Right. Uh, If we think back to John 8, um, a passage I know we've looked at in the past, you can really feel that presence of Jesus physically in the room. Um, So this this is about the woman caught in adultery. He who is without sin amongst you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in the midst. 
When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go, sin no more. So thinking about Jesus' um, physical presence in the room, um, stepping forward in, in, in a time of need, but teaching a lesson, even in his absence from the conversation, he stoops down. He doesn't look at what's going on. He doesn't condemn, just like the woman's captors didn't condemn in the end. Jesus showed the love of God in that instance. He championed the woman all whilst looking down, all whilst not being present to the conversation. We too can think of how the Spirit can champion us. His presence can help us find the motivation to help that person we know is struggling or or feel euphoric when we're celebrating his name in worship or prayer. Sometimes it can be that real sense of conversation with him in prayer when we're deeply involved with him. All points that I'm sure Ella and Luke will explore further in later weeks. Um, the second definition of my Google search said that um, to help was to uh, save, rescue, or s- secure, secure, basically did the same thing. Now, whilst I've mentioned how the Spirit can help in hardship, um, a repeated theme of what we see of Jesus in the Bible is that he's healing the sick. When we read these passages and pray for healing, we have an opportunity to really hone in on the Holy Spirit changing things, just as Jesus did, and to use them, uh, uh, and to use the term in the definition uh, I just mentioned, saving people. Of the countless healings, one that appears in Matthew, Mark and Luke is the healing of the blind men. Here's the version of accounts in Matthew. So it reads, Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately they received sight and they followed him. (coughs) Uh, As you can see, there's a cry from the men for Jesus to help them in this circumstance. This may well be something we call upon the Holy Spirit for. We might be very clear in what we need help with. Um, what's of note here, though, across all of these books is after the healing of the men, or man, depending on the book, they then follow Jesus. There's something powerful in that. They follow, they journey with him, they want to know him more. The strength of being helped and then save, uh, the, the strength of being helped then save these men as they grew in relationship with God. The next time we ask for help and receive, we too have an opportunity to appreciate and really consider how that situation has brought us closer to him. The last entry in the saga of definitions of help reads to make easier or less difficult, to contribute to, to facilitate. Now, the example on screen mentions the actions of restraint. In that case, we can consider how the Holy Spirit moves us in our feelings and thoughts. Jesus showed this outwardly in his teachings. He made it easier to comprehend the Father, to draw from, uh, to draw from him how the Holy Spirit operates, to coin size phrase to showcase a subversive God. Here in John 13, 
we see Jesus washing the disciples' feet. So it reads, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So here in John 13, we see Jesus washing the disciples' feet and he's performed an important action to his disciples. He's torn apart the expected hierarchies. He's shown that the Son is no less than the Father and by extension we know the Holy Spirit is of equal measure. The fact that he states you also ought wash one another's feet shows we're all equal in God's eyes. It's not difficult. Jesus here has helped. Despite all of the fighting across mankind for higher power and authority over others, he's shown truly that we are all equal. So how might the Holy Spirit reflect this in our lives? Perhaps we've constructed all these constraints in our minds that we can't do something, or made it feel um, as if that one thing is impossible. Here the Holy Spirit wants us to rest those worries and concerns on him. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Equally here, the Spirit reassures, either through prayer or just through journeying in life. He reassures us that we are equally loved, that no one person is favoured over another. He continues to reveal that through our lives, much as he reveals the Father and the Son, as Steve spoke about last week. So... I realise this has only been 12 minutes, this might be the quickest one ever. Uh, Congratulations, you've made it through the uh, Google Dictionary of Definitions, but fear not, this isn't, uh, but fear not, there isn't an extended version of this. (laughs) Hopefully, as indicated by Shrek on screen, you can appreciate some of the layers that we've been unpacking this morning. Um, Help uh, isn't any one fixed term, and you can see just how far reaching the Holy Spirit works in our lives. At this point, um, uh, I won't say that this is a close of the topic, but an opening. Take comfort from verses 16 and 17 from John 14. uh, And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The main word I've highlighted here is the foreverness of the Spirit. It's our tapping into this consistent, ever-present Spirit that changes circumstances, that stirs us. So when I was writing this, uh, I came across an Instagram post by Brian Zand, who recently released a new book. Now, I personally haven't read this, but I really like the quote, uh, and I think it really encapsulates the indescribability, yes, that's a word, uh, of the Holy Spirit in a way that can give um, ourselves over to him, even when times are tough and might seem irrational. So this reads, as an organ for experiencing and interpreting reality, the heart is not inferior to reason, just as you can not hear with your tongue or smell with your ear so the experience of God is not a phenomenon of the of the mind but of the heart 
So appreciate that the experience of God is not operating just solely in your mind, but it's what you're moved by. It's those indescribable moments where you feel pulled to something, feel like you are being helped, you're being championed in a moment that you can't comprehend mentally, but maybe you feel something inside you. And so to come full circle... Back to um, what Steve ended on last week. To pull on the thread a little more and to remind ourselves, I leave you with this. This isn't anything new, but I think it prevalent when we're exploring these themes. The Holy Spirit was ready. He was waiting, hovering over the surface of the deep in Genesis 1. He's been forever and he will be forever. So seek him out. Plug deeper into the Father and the Son through him. I encourage you to build that relationship with him. He has helped for generations and he is still ready to make new, to restore, to come alongside us as individuals and as the church. Just as in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, For by one spirit we are all baptised into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We all have a place at the table. We're all helped and guided by the spirit. It's our recognition and appreciation of that which makes those connections to the Father and Son stronger. Thank you. That was great, man. <laughs> Thanks. And now for the podcast, I'm going to repeat this whole sermon again so that it fills 30 minutes. But Luke, you can just add that in later, yeah? What do I do? Press the red button? Uh, press, yeah.